Welcome to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com. I'm here with Mark Anderson today, the man behind his alter ego, Sybil Barrington. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sparing some time, uh, Mark. It's much appreciated. I know. Uh, you're probably off to uh, drive your bus soon, so thanks for taking a break. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Thank you. You're extremely well known in, in Bermuda for, for various things, uh, not just Sybil, but also your your fundraising, your ambassadorial role. Uh-huh. But you are gay, yeah. and I don't know when you came out, as it were, uh-huh. but growing up in Bermuda, which is a very conservative with a small C place, uh-huh. how has that affected you? What sort of barriers or obstacles or reaction have you had from people over the years? Well, at a time that I grew up, I'm from Somerset, Mm -hmm. um, born and raised in Somerset. And at a time that I, uh, you know, was growing up as a a child, it was very taboo at that time Mm. to even talk about it. You know, um, you know, at that time they were they were using the word sissy. Right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, that that was the norm at that time. Um, the word gay didn't even come out to much, much, much later. Well, in those days, the word gay was happy, wasn't yeah, it? But yes, but yes. But even then, most people still didn't even know what the word gay meant. Right. You know. Um, so I grew up at a time like in the early 70s when, you know, pretty much at that time when the sexual revolution was going on in the United States and Europe and many places. Um, but at that time of my life, um, I first noticed that I was different, uh, you know, at a very young age, and I'm going back at the age of, you know, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I noticed that I was a little different than than the the other boys and the other girls. At that time in my life, I couldn't fully explain why, but I knew that I was different, you know. Um, I remember my earliest memory. I remember when I used to play, um, you know, kiss the, uh, chase the girls and kiss them, you know. <laughs> I chased the girls, but I wouldn't kiss them because I felt that it was wrong to do, right. you know. That's interesting. Um, not, not, not that I felt that I was, wasn't attracted to them. Mm. I just knew that it was, a, it was wrong to do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I get you. Um, and then as time went on, um, as I got older, when it still came to you know chase the, chase the girls and kiss them, that's when I started to realize uh, why am I so different from the boys? How come the boys could do that right. and I can't? You couldn't. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and as time went on, um, uh, Phil Donahue. Um, he did a talk show back then. I don't know if you remember Phil Donahue, no, an American broadcaster, very similar to how, um, you know, Ricky Lake, um, Oprah Winfrey is today. Right, okay. He was the he was the Oprah Winfrey back then, Phil Donahue. And I do remember there was a show that he had on one time, and he had on where it was called uh, Transsexuals and Gay Man and, and stuff. And um, this was a very uh, prominent show at that time because he used to come on um, right before this Price is Right. Oh, okay, which is very popular. Very, very popular because it was that show, then the Price is Right, and then the soap operas, you right. know, Young and the Rest is in that order. And I remember, um, you know, during the summer, it was summer holidays and, um, you know, on school break, and I was there watching this program with my grandmother. 
and um, I was very, you know, intrigued about what was happening and what I was seeing. And for the first time, well, not necessarily the first time, but basically first time in the sense of of national television, I was able to recognize and identify with uh, with people who were going through the same feelings as I was going through. Um, and of course, um, I didn't realize it, but my grandmother, she was uh, observing me very, uh, you know, with, with full full speed ahead, just mm -hmm. observed me, and she noticed that my whole demeanor had changed. Right. And it wasn't until after the program, my grandma went over there and she turned off the television and she looked at me and she says, Mar, I'm your grandmother and I love you. I'm here for you. She says, uh, do you have anything to say about what you just saw? And I looked at her, you know, I was about like about 14 going 15 at that time. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, I said, Granny, I said, I can identify with what those people were saying. Me and my grandmother, we had a special bond where we can talk about right. things and stuff. I could talk to my grandmother. I couldn't talk to my mother about it. And I told my grandma, um, I, I believe I'm gay. Right. You know? Yeah. And she hugged me and she kissed me and she says, listen. She says, some people is not going to like you because you're gay. Mm. Some people is going to hate you yeah. because you're gay. She says, but you know what? I'm your, I'm your grandmother. This is your family. And we're going to love you unconditionally. We're going to support you through this. And uh, so if anything comes up, you talk about it with me first. And that was the end of it. Um, so I thought the following Sunday... Um, this was times when families used to sit down and have dinner. You know, it was my grandpa, my grandmother, my mother, all of my mother's sisters and brothers, all of my first cousins. You know, the adults sat at the table. The children had a side table. We all sat in the dining room together. My grandpa would bless the food. We would eat. After we ate, that was the time we talked about what was going on in the family. You know, whether it will be somebody getting married or a newborn baby or, you know, whatever. Whatever was going on in the family, that was the time to discuss it. It wasn't until afterwards um, my grandmother said, okay, well, since we talked about everything, there's something that I need to bring to, it, to, to the attention of the family. Now, before I say what I have to say... Um, you know, this is one family. We love each other. We respect each other. I brought you all up to respect everybody, no matter what. You know, some of y'all is going to like what I have to say. Some of y'all may not like what I have to say. I don't want to hear no qualms about it, but we are going to deal with this as a family. And she came out and said, Mark is gay. Well, when she said that, I went underneath the table. I went completely underneath the table. I was shocked. I wasn't prepared to face my family at that time. Right. I was still young. I was a child. Um, my grandmother said, listen, you know, uh, Mark is gay. Uh, we're going to love him unconditionally. This is your son. This is your nephew. This is your first cousin. We're going to love him unconditionally, just how we love everybody in this house. So what was the reaction? The reaction at that time was like, everybody was like shocked. 
Quite. You know, very shocked. Most were shocked. It wasn't so much the shock that they didn't know. They knew because I was very flamboyant. The shock was that it was actually said. Right. You know what I'm saying? Finally, somebody said it. Um, my mother um, was very distraught about it. Very distraught. I she, mean, she didn't suspect? She knew, but in denial. Right, okay. You know, but keeping in mind, me and my, like I said, my mother and I, we never talked about these. Right. I couldn't go to my mother and talk about stuff like this because she was always very uh, domineering in the fact about, you know, I don't want to hear it or, right. or don't come to me and talk. Mm. About, you know, my mother mm. was always like that. You know what I'm saying? Whereas my, even though she was loving, but there, I knew there were things that I could not talk to my mom about. Right. But I could talk to my granny about everything because I was always around her, you know. Um, and and that that's where it went on. And for the first time, um, that I felt that was my safe haven. So did you realize then, did, did that affect your behavior at all? You you realized then that you were gay? Yes. You, you, was, you accepted it yourself? Yes, I accepted it. Um, I accepted it. Um, then, then the uh, the situation came with my grandpa. You know, that was a whole nother dilemma because, I mean, my grandpa and I we were close too, um, and he would take me everywhere. And with overnight, he just stopped taking me places. You know, was it was he ashamed? Was he embarrassed? I think it was more or less of the embarrassment. Um, the 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 uh, shame that you know his grandson is gay. Keep it in mind that before me there were two boys, like two older. I had two older cousins who were male, and in between that, I believe it was like seven or eight girls. So when I came along, I was the next boy. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. And it was a very happy time for the family. So to find out later in life that this boy is now, you know, <laughs> gay you know, or, or, or a sissy at that time was still mm. sissy. Mm. You know, it was very hard for my grandpa, very hard for my grandpa, because like I said, he took me everywhere. He took sure. me to the, um, the county games, um, you know, uh, also the, um, the, uh, up at White Hill, which was called the, oh my goodness, I, it was right on the tip of my tongue. But he was, my grandpa was very instrumental in starting the round table. Right, okay. The round table, um, which was a very popular uh, event going on in White Hill at the time. And my grandpa was one of the uh, actual uh, founders of that at the White Hill Field. So I guess with all of that, and he was a, a sportsman, an umpire, you know, very much in the so public. Was a man's uh, man. Yeah, man's man, you know, sort of thing. And uh, it just stopped overnight. Just stopped overnight. Was it ever reconciled before his death? Uh, uh, yes. Um, yes. He told me on his deathbed that he loves me. Really? On his deathbed? On his deathbed that he loves me. So he didn't take you out at all? Not since then. Really? No. Not since, not since that, uh, that time when I came out. So in between, I would say, what, 15 up until up until late in years, he never took me out. Really? Never took me out. That's a shame, isn't it? Well, I mean, 
Because presumably he was your father figure. That that was my only father figure. My my biological father wasn't in my life. Right. Um, my stepfather uh, at the time before that used to beat me because I wasn't his child. Um, you know. Uh, you know. I mean, and also because he used to beat me because I wouldn't play soccer. I wouldn't play cricket. I wouldn't do the the normal things that boys would do. He just didn't want to. And he would beat me for it. Um, so I got to beat him for that. I got to beat him for not being his child. Um, uh, my There were things that my mother did not know uh, because she was abused by him also. But it wasn't until when she realized that I was being abused by him, that's when she finally decided to leave him. Right, okay. So growing up then, I mean, you must have been probably the only overtly gay person in Bermuda. Oh, no, 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 no. Before me, um, there was a great significance of, of, of gay man, um, you know, in Bermuda at, at that time. And I wish they were still alive today. If, if they were still alive today, I wouldn't be going through a lot of the negativity from society. Um, there was Miss World. Um, there was Duchess of Devonshire. There was, uh, I, I'll, I'll just say Mr. Bean. I don't want to give his first That's name, right. Mr. Bean. There were, they, 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 were, they were called the Committee of Five. The Committee of Five. And they used to do shows at Clayhouse. Okay. Now, uh, the drag shows at that time, from my understanding, originated, started on the United States base. Um, this was when they would do the shows there, and they would do them in different um, places around Bermuda, such as the, uh, the, the, the clubs, like the right. social clubs and stuff like that. And then eventually, it ended up at the Clayhouse Inn. Uh, one of the hot spots at one time, they used to perform down on Front Street in the, in the Customs Building, which right. stands today. Yep. That used to be a public place at one time where they used to have shows. Um, also at the Golden High, uh -huh. you know, uh, up there. Um, but you must remember that when all of that had finished, the last show uh, technically ended in the mid-80s. So there was almost like a 10-year hiatus of no show, mm -hmm. no drag show. So um, by that time when the show came up, um, a few of them had passed on. Um, now, Duchess of Devonshire was one of the most uh, leading queens today. Um, um, at that time, um, if, she, if Duchess of Devonshire was still living today, I could not call myself the Queen of Bermuda. Right. That's very nice. That's very nice. But what kind of obstacles did you see as a gay man growing up in Bermuda? What was the reaction to you? Well, one of the biggest uh, obstacles that affected me, I find, was education for me. And what I mean by that is, is that I was an A student. Um, again, I used to be bullied in school because of, your because, of because of me being different. different. You know, the boys would, would call me names. I used to fight. I end up becoming a bully, 
well, not said not 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 necessarily a bully, but I was fighting so much that the teachers looked at me as a bully, right? Because they couldn't understand why I was always fighting. They didn't realize that these boys were were messing with me, bothering me, and in order for me to fight back, I had to beat them up. Right. There were times when I first started, I wouldn't fight back. I would go home into my cousins and have my cousins come and fight them. Then one day, my cousins attacked me. And, and forced me to fight back. <laughs> right. So I was an A student. Um, my first choice, when I was I went summer primary, my first choice was um, was the Barclay. Um, my first choice was the Whitney Institute. My second choice was Barclay, and my third was Warwick Sack. I never got in any of them. Not because of my academics, but because of my behavior, my fighting behavior. So where did they send me? They sent me to Robert Crawford. You know, an old boys school, that was the worst years of my life. I call it, um, I call it the lion's den. Why? Well, because it was, it was old boys school. I then went from a summer primary school to a high school where it was old boys. And then, of course, the brutality got even thicker. You see what I'm saying? So I left one school fighting and then going to another school to continue on fighting. But now I'm meeting people that I had never seen before, never met before, and they're attacking me because of my flamboyancy. They didn't understand. And didn't understand. So did, did, how did that affect you later in life? And did you find more problems later in life after you graduated? Well, yes, um, because even More though, discrimination. But really yes, because about. even though that I could talk to my granny about certain things, there were still things that she could not fully understand. Yeah. You know, um, it wasn't until when I went to the United States, um, ended up in the United States, and for the first time, I came across the gay community center. And I was like, oh my goodness, I felt like I was in another world because I was able to talk about my issues. Um, and, and, and they had counselors that dealt with sexual identity issues. I was able to talk about everything. I mean, I bowled like a baby for the first hour. And the, 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 the smart thing about that was is that not only that it assisted someone who was gay, it also assisted someone, um, um, the people who, like family members the support mechanism, you know, um, so anybody can benefit from this community center. And I believe, and I still believe today, that that's what made me the strong person that right. I am today. Right. So when did you come back to Bermuda? I came back to Bermuda in um, 2006. Oh, okay. Quite recently. 2006. Um, my reason <clears throat> to come back, because at that time we had a few Bermudians leaving Bermuda, going to places um, just to escape Bermuda. Um, many of them ended up on drugs. Many of them ended up gay people. as gay people, ended up on drugs, ended up in, as alcoholics, ended up committing suicide um, because they couldn't be who they, they are in Bermuda. In Bermuda. And um, I came across a, a few that were living in a homeless shelter. And I encouraged them to come back home. Um, and I encouraged them to get their papers to go to England. Um, but at that time, there was this one guy who was strung out on drugs, strung out on drugs because his family abandoned him. His family had tossed him out of the home, kicked him out, and totally um, um, disowned him. And he ended up in the States, um, um, you know, homeless on the street, and I helped him, um, since which he's passed away now. 
Um, and I and I felt as though that at that moment, that's when I had to come back home to to take a stand because everybody felt like, well, you know, Sybil, you're you're the strongest one. You're you're the entertainer. You can stand up. You know, you you do the show. Is it, was it in two thousand and six you came back and you you took on Sybil? No, no, I no. was civil. I was civil in the um, in the states. In the states. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. So when he came back to Bermuda, he said he wanted to make a stand. Yes. What, what, what did he do? And what was the reaction? Well, I, at that time, I was trying to figure out what could I do, and that's when I entered the parade. Right. I I entered the um, Bermuda Day Parade. I don't know if you was here for that. I entered the Bermuda Day Parade, and uh, long story short, and um, um, I entered. They 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 banned me. <laughs> And uh, I showed up. I remember, actually. You yes. know, and, uh, and to be honest, I never wanted to be the queen of Gombe's. I never wanted to be the queen Why of Gombe's. Why did they ban you? Why did they ban you? They banned me um, because the, 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 when it started out with the, um, with the Gombe's had threatened to boycott the parade. That's right, I remember that. And, um, and being that they threatened, that's when I bowed out gracefully and not called myself the Queen of the Gumbas because at that time the Gumbas felt right in my hand. And um, and as I started to say, I never wanted to be Queen of the Gumbas because the Gumbas is not glamorous. You know what I'm saying? But I had to attack the manhood, you know. But like I said, two things happened that I didn't expect. The first thing was is that I didn't expect for the Gumbas to ban, um, to to threaten to boycott, and I never thought that the government would ban me from the parade. But you turned up anyway. I had to turn up because they they at that time keep it in mind it was still legal to discriminate based on sexual orientation. They didn't think that I knew that, um, and then that's why they banned me because it was legal to do. Mm. But and they made it so in so many words that I will be. I would be arrested. They didn't come out and say it, but in so many words, that's the way they put forward that if I was to show up, that I would be arrested. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, I was ready to go to Supreme Court because I had enough guns to wear. <laughs> <laughs> Different one for every day. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, the first form of uh, discrimination uh, publicly that, um, and well, I shouldn't say publicly, but most people don't know this, but um, that I had to encounter was getting the shows done at City Hall way back in 2004. Long story short again, um, it had to go in front of the, um, the alderman um, at that time, and the alderman, my understanding, didn't want me to have my show at the City Hall, and they had about maybe three or four meetings and when I got the call that they had declined me, I told them straight. I said, well, I wanted in letter form of why I can't have my show at City Hall. And it better be a good one because then I'm going to go public to find out what's the difference between me and the Hasty Portents. So when I said that, that's when it came back that I could have my show at City Hall. Have things got better since then? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Have you been more accepted? more respected right more respected word. i would think that i would like to think that bermuda has really gotten better in the last uh two decades mm. um and i can honestly sit here and tell you that i never thought in my wildest dreams that i would see what's happening today with same-sex marriage you you really my question so i was going to come on to that uh, it's to, to a degree it seems to have split the island yes but there seems from my point of view, there seems to be more acceptance now than might have been 10 years ago. 
Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. Um, like I said, Bermuda has come a long way. Um, What's your view on same-sex marriage? Well, um, I think that it's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. Um, you know, I, I think that Bermuda uh, needs to move forward uh, in the right direction with the rest of the world. Uh, some people are against it. Some people are not so much against it. Um, and I just find that in many cases, when it comes to things, you know, change, Bermudians don't like change. A great significant of Bermudians don't like change. And that's all it is. And it's all it is, though, because well, the, the biggest protesters here are the churches. Yes. Uh, and, uh, the black churches. But, but, okay. <laughs> well, the, the one of them is very mixed church. Um, but the, the biggest objection seems to be the fact that it, it could be used in the church and you could get married in the eyes of God. Mm -hmm. Is that is that a, is that is that something that a same-sex marriage is to say, okay, maybe we'll respect that and we'll just have a civil union? Or is it important to get married in the church in the eyes of God? Well, first of all, um, I know for me, I don't have no intention of getting married in nobody's church. That's number one, because they're all shady. You know, they're all shady. Um, I do believe that the early church, in my opinion, that's not so shady, is the Anglican church, in my opinion. Um... Uh, I necessarily can understand why they would say, you know, in the eyes of God. I don't think that when same-sex marriages get uh, married, whether it be men or women, I, to my experience, I don't think that they say that even in other countries in the eyes of God. Well, it's in the eyes of God in, insofar as it's in a church. In the church, yeah. yes. But outside of the church, I don't think that they will say that. Um, but um, I do believe that uh, it should be a marriage. At first, there was a time that I didn't think that it should be marriage. There was a time that I thought that it was just should be civil unions. Right. But <clears throat> I just felt that there have been cases where uh, people have had civil unions and it doesn't hold as much clout as the word marriage. And I do foresee that in this country, as how shady many Bermudians can be, that they will use that to target a gay couple, whether they be lesbian or gay, for something maybe it could be an heir to property or whatever the case is. They'll say, oh, well, you can't get that and you can't do this and you can't do that because you're not legally married. Right. Right. Um, so that's so it'll still be discriminated against. That's right, and I think that that's why the word it should be marriage. Talk, talking of discrimination, um, you were you were the subject of a very high profile case. Yes, quite recently went all the way yes. to court. Yes, and it was regarding written discrimination. Yes. Now, as far as I'm aware, has the law been changed to include um, written discrimination? It hasn't been changed as of yet. Uh, that was something recent that I think has been brought to the attention of the government. Um, I, I believe that has been put forward. So as of now, they're still working on it as we speak. Because that involves somebody writing about you on Facebook, didn't 
didn't they? Yes, and posting stuff. And posting stuff. Yes. And you actually managed to get them to stop it, didn't you? Yes. How difficult a period was that for you? Because it's quite recent, discrimination seems to be coming to an end, and suddenly you're confronted with this. It must well, have been extremely unpleasant. Well, yeah, it was unpleasant at the time. I was more or less embarrassed, um, you know, uh, embarrassed about it. Um, and I felt as though that I had to do something about it because it was my understanding that he had done it several other times to other gay people who is not as strong enough to, to take him to task. And um, some people were um, not so much on the DL, but because they were, you know, didn't want to uh, bring it to the public domain mm. because most people didn't know that they were gay. Right. Um, so he did it to the wrong person and he got the right person to do it. Um, and I feel as though that I did the right thing because had I not done it, done it, then it would be still staying dormant as it is today. Do you, you're obviously quite a strong personality, quite a strong person. Do you, yes. do, you do you regard yourself as that, or do you regard yourself as a bit of a champion? I am. Um, I am. Um, I. I just. I'm just me. Right. I'm just me. I'm just me. I think that it's very rewarding when I hear students come to tell me that I'm a living legend. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I, a few years ago, this kid came to me, this young lady, she says, you're a living legend, you know. And I was like, really? I said, get out of here. She says, no, you are a living legend. She says, I'm writing about you um, in for, for a project. And I was like, well, and then it has taken off to some of the kids. They call me a living legend now and then. Every now and then I'll hear it. But you are a living legend. I mean, <laughs> well, you are. I mean, wow. you've got so many numerous letters to the editor. Yes. You've got so many accolades for being a superb ambassador. What keeps you going? What makes you carry on wanting to do all that? And your charity work. Yes, I, I do it because I, I don't want to see any young gay boy or gay girl growing up the same way that I had to endure growing up in this country. You know, um, I, I, for me, it was humiliating. These kids today, are, I noticed they're, they're a lot, lot more verbal. They're very aware of their surroundings. They're very aware of what's happening around them. And I'm glad to see that. Um, I just tell parents, you know, or, or anybody, you know, if you, if you decide that you want to have children and if you cannot accept the fact that your son or daughter may come and tell you that they're gay or lesbian, or if you end up with a child who is paraplegic or handicapped or alcoholic or drug addict or something, if you can't handle that, then you have no right being a parent. Okay, well, on that note, thank you very much indeed for your time. Thank you for tuning in to Burn News Current Affairs Podcast with Jeremy Deacon. Listen at your leisure on www.burnnews.com, your 24-7 Bermuda news source.